hey, what's in your social media past? What did you possibly put on Twitter in the early days of social media? Maybe you put something on Facebook. Maybe in your past there's something that might be qualified as a skeleton. Well, that's it. You can never run for public office or even maybe hold you know, a CEO. You can't get into the C-suite because somebody's going to find it and it's going to be out there. And that's it. You're canceled. You are done. We have seen this. In the Ontario election, the Liberals dropping a number of candidates with some pretty questionable statements and things that they've said in the past. Meanwhile, the progressive conservatives have stuck with their candidates who have also found themselves with something in their past that is, well, uh, worthy of an apology in more than one case. To talk about it, I'm pleased to welcome to the program Dennis Pilon, who's an associate professor of political science at York. Dennis, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing real good, although I'll, I don't think I can ever run for office. I just don't. I'm too <laughs> worried about what's what thing I might have said 15 years ago. I mean, I, this does this concern you in terms of, you know, how we conduct our politics? I think it's the concern of a, of a lot of people. Uh, this this rise of social media where people are living their lives kind of in real time as as if they're you know actors in their own movie um you know it, it's fun it's exciting it's dangerous uh and then it comes back to haunt you later uh and it raises questions about you know is anyone going to be able to meet the standard uh of of what we used to think politicians uh should should represent uh, given this background of social media and it's not only that, but it's also the fact that you could say something 10, 15 years ago that nobody would have looked sideways at. But now times change in the way we view things and we view politics have changed. And yet we judge people on past behavior on current standards. Well, that is, I think, the issue that we have to wrestle with. And I, I think we've seen some flexibility on it already. Uh, I, you know, there there are situations where particularly when when candidates were were youth, uh, you know, underage, uh, you know, maybe they said something they, they, they shouldn't have, or now they look back and think, oh, that wasn't a very smart thing to say even then. Um, and I think people are more forgiving of, of people in that situation. Uh, of course, it depends on what was said. Uh, you know, some things you just can't walk back from. Yeah, isn't, isn't that the case? Now, let's let's talk about how the political parties, uh, whether they're left, right, center, deal with this, because you say it's different depending on the politics. Well, I do. I, I think that we've seen that, that uh, parties, depending on their ideological perspective, respond to these issues differently, in part because they expect their voters will respond differently uh, to the issues. You know, and a great example here was the re-election of BC's uh, liberal uh, premier, Gordon Campbell, after he had been uh, charged with drunk driving, in mm. fact, convicted of drunk driving on a vacation in Hawaii. And when he was uh, uh, charged, many people called for his resignation. And there was a time when that would have been an automatic, you know, out you go. But he didn't. He refused to. He said, look, I'm going to get counseling. I'm going to deal with this. He stayed on and he was reelected. Uh, his government was reelected and he continued to be the premier. So that was a really interesting result because it, it, it highlighted that, well, maybe maybe not everybody has to pay the same price. Now, the same situ situation, I think, with a left of center or even a centrist uh, politician, I think, would have been much different. And, and so we sort of almost see that playing out right now in the provincial election, don't we, with the reaction between the liberals and the progressive conservatives? Yes, absolutely. The reaction to the revelations of the slave auction uh, for one of, of Doug Ford's uh, cabinet ministers. 
again, I think there the, the reaction of the party is related to the way they perceive their voters will react. And I think they, you know, I mean, I haven't seen exactly what they're, re, you know, what they've said on this, but I imagine they think that their voters will say, well, you know, he was at college, you know, he did something stupid. Uh, you know, he clearly doesn't support that now. He's got a track record of accomplishments since then. Um, and I mean, basically parties make a calculation. Are we going to pay a price for sticking with this candidate? The pluses of sticking with a candidate is they're, they're a known quantity. Uh, maybe they have a public profile that will help the party and that individual get reelected. But what are the costs? Will the issue make people decide to vote for someone else or even just stay home? And that's what every party is calculating. And, and on the left, people are more sensitive. Is that your take? I don't I don't know. They're sensitive to different things. I think that for, uh, you know, depending on the issue, uh, right wing voters would say, uh, uh-uh, no way, we're not going with that candidate. Uh, and and left wing voters or centrist voters might might choose differently. Um, having said that, I do think that this social media issue, things that happened in the past, I think that uh, conservative voters respond differently. I think that we've seen a, a fairly a long kind of reaction to the wokeness. Uh, the right is particularly sensitive to this idea that, you know, the particular words we use are all vetted now and, you know, people are feeling hemmed in. And so I think they react to these kinds of things differently. I think they, they're they more willing to give their candidates the benefit of the doubt than say, uh, well, the parties whose, whose voters and activists have championed some of the campaigns that have made these things an issue in the first place. Do you think that the public's the general public, and I'm not talking in a partisan manner here, that the, the public's understanding and willingness to forgive past sins is changing. I do. I think that um, uh, I, I think that the voters' reactions are often connected to themselves, you know, to their own experience, to the experience of their own past and maybe their children's past. Sometimes that can soften people up and make people more forgiving. They can think, wow, you know, I, I wouldn't want something I did in the past to be taken out of context, or I wouldn't want people to judge me on the basis of, you know, one bad comment. Um, and so I think that, that that is making people perhaps more realistic uh, in, 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 in recognizing that people have lives before they decide to join public office. And we don't want to preclude everyone from joining public office who um, you know, did various things in their past. Again, I really do think it, the context here matters. Uh, you know, there's just some things that people are not going to tolerate um, and other things where they're going to say, well, you know, that was a youthful indiscretion. Dennis, great talking with you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.